0: Ladies, gentlemen, and of course everyone in between. My name is Clifton Duncan. This is my podcast. Uh, I have a, a very, very special guest today. I'm, I, I was going to say I w- I'm excited to talk to this person, but uh, we're going to get into some pretty dark stuff. So I don't know how excited I can, uh, how much excitement I can muster. No offense to uh, to my guest, but first I want to start out by just reading a selection, uh, an excerpt, uh, if you will, from something he has written. He writes. We are not vaccine hesitant or anti-vax or COVID denying conspiracy theorists. We are millions of regular working class people, people with principles who value freedom, who are not prepared to go gently into the globalized pathologized totalitarian night. We no longer give the slightest shit whether our former friends and family members who have gone new normal understand what this is, we do. We understand exactly what this is. It is a nascent form of totalitarianism, and we intend to kill it, or at least critically wound it, before it matures into a full grown behemoth. Ladies and gentlemen, those are the words of Mr. CJ Hopkins, my guest today. CJ, how are you doing, sir?
1: Well, uh, all things considered, I'm doing okay. Uh, thanks for the, for the lovely reading there. It's, uh, it's nice to uh, be doing an interview with a professional actor where I can get a reading <laughs> like that.
0: Well, you know, I, 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 I take what work I, I can when I can get it these days. But uh, for those who don't know, uh, you're, you're, you're currently in Berlin right now. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I live here. I've been here for, it's got to be 17 years now.
0: Oh wow. Okay. Well, uh it, for one it is nice to connect with another man of the of the theater. And we're going we're going to get into the um the meat uh, of what uh of that opening uh, excerpt. But uh, I kind of want to go back a little bit because um you mentioned in an interview recently. I know you you're you've been doing um, a a just a a Whirlwind of them, uh, and for very good reasons. I think that what you're doing is uh, is fantastic and quite heroic, um, in many ways. Um, but you mentioned that you your first produced play was in the wake of the collapse of the Soviet Union, and so I was curious: um, was it an, was was your for your foray into playwriting? Was it? Um, was it inspired by that collapse um, how, how was that, How did that collapse inform uh, your your worldview and uh, and your work i 'm curious about that
1: yeah my uh, playwriting wasn 't really inspired uh, by the collapse of the Soviet Union my uh, ex wife uh, bless her uh, dragged me back into the theater i was in, we met in San Francisco mm-hmm. and i was writing I was writing a lot of bad poetry um, and living in the Haight Ashbury and uh, uh met her, and uh, she dragged me back into the theater uh, i started, I, started uh, I stopped with the bad poetry and started uh, writing some plays and uh um, and it got serious, so we had to leave San Francisco, move to New York City, and you know work downtown there for years uh, and uh While I was trying to get started while I was trying to get my writing together, uh, the Soviet Union fell apart, and uh, you know what hit me at that moment was, okay, we're in a brand new world. You know, um, the Cold War is over. That's what I grew up with. um, And that's the world that everybody knew. And uh, what what I thought was significant about it is is that whole ideological conflict, uh, you know, between uh, capitalism and uh, Marxism, communism, what you want to call it, um it's you know of course there are still you know plenty of marxists around and i know a lot of them you know being on the left um but it was it 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 the 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 weight of that conflict disappeared and we entered a global capitalist world you know a world with that is ruled by a single ideology um and you know that just blew my head at the time And it filtered into a play that I was trying to write. I was, I was actually just struggling with Beckett uh, because Beckett was kind of the God that I had to kill, you know, uh, to get started as a writer. And, and then the Soviet union fell apart and it just bled into the play. Um, And, uh, and that's how horse country came about.
0: Now, is it, Was the was the collapse foreseen by many of your your colleagues and and yourself included? Um, because I, I, the way I've heard it described is that you know if you were sort of plugged in to, I guess the sort of New York Times reading intelligentsia, then you then then the collapse of the Soviet Union sort of came out of out of nowhere. I mean, I do appreciate the the ideological struggles of the time, which I feel like we're seeing a repeat of today. Um, but was there any indication uh, that or any feeling that something like that might might uh, might occur
1: not in my world you know there 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 might have been you know smarter and more you know plugged in people than me at that time who saw it coming but in my world no, it 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 just came out of the blue you know i was in basically you know downtown experimental theater uh, new york city world you know it 's a liberal world new york times reading world, and uh yeah to me it did it, it came out of nowhere
0: um, uh, it's it 's funny you say that uh, you talk about the the sort of downtown theater new york um, New York theater world, which of course has uh, <coughs> as you may or may not be aware has totally gone into the um, It's they've totally drank the COVID Kool-Aid hook, line and sinker. And um, it, it, you know, one of the reasons I I reached out to you initially, uh, especially as a playwright, a man of the theater, um, um, you know, and things just keep getting worse and worse by the by the by the day. Um, And initially, I wanted to talk about um, the response of the arts communities to a lot of this, because I think one thing that that stunned me, and I love that you brought up the idea of a a global capitalism, uh, and and talking about Marxism, I would consider myself more of a a free market individual, but given what I, given what I perceived throughout um, this pandemic, or more specifically our response to it. Um, I've been I've been thinking to myself well, where are the where are the Marxists on this where are the anti capitalists on this um, they, they seem to be going uh, going along with that and by extension when I'm talking about Marxists increasingly and almost exclusively I'm talking in, in a way I'm talking about the arts community and I guess it goes back to that question of why do these people who I mean, I I don't know about you, but I certainly feel that there is a a huge culture of people that believe that they're challenging the system, especially if you're doing something like experimental theater, I I suppose, but, you know, you're you're bucking the system, you're challenging the status quo, and uh, yet here these artists um, in one of the artistic meccas of the universe uh, in New York City, or as I call it, the city formerly known as New York, they've completely gone, they, they, well, they've completely allowed themselves to be swept aside by these feckless, ridiculous, uh, buffoonish uh, officials uh, who don't seem to know um, what, what's what's going on. And so uh, I just, I, I'm not making a specific point, but, you know, you, you've spoken a lot about um, about cultism. Uh, and, and it's funny, because one of the things that, that, that I've sort of come on to in, in a derisive way is calling it, some people say the blue church, some people say the blue cathedral, but I feel like there's still an air of sanctity and respect about a, a church or a cathedral. But calling it the blue cult seems to me to to capture more of the essence of it, because nobody respects a cult. And um, people who are in a cult don't know they're, they're in one. So uh, how, how did you sort of have have your how have your views views shifted and and what do you think was what do you think enabled you to escape uh being indoctrinated uh, indoctrinated too deeply into this cult
1: yeah um my views haven't changed at all really um you know back in 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 new york city you know i was uh yeah, you know i was involved in the the you know, WEF protests against the World Economic Forum, you know, prior to the invasion of Iraq, I helped uh, organize the theater community, you know, organized the big protests prior to the in 2003, you know, prior to the invasion of Iraq. Um, my values haven't changed at all. I mean, I've, I've kind of watched the, uh, left. And I, and I think you have to make a distinction between, uh, the left, the political left people who are actually politically engaged and active and just the arts community, which, you know, let's, let's, let's be honest, you know, most of the arts community is not very politically astute, not very politically engaged. It, it's mostly liberal in a very kind of sloppy, uh, you know, uh, just whatever sounds nice to the liberal audience way. Um, So I was always a a little bit more hardcore. All all of my plays are political. Horse Country is probably the least political of my plays, although it does end with an act of violence, Um, but to a chair, not to a person. but, you know, and then my following two plays, uh, you know, uh, c- kind of, it's funny because uh, Horse Country is the play that kind of broke me into the theater, you know, internationally kind of opened the door. And then my next two plays kind of closed that door <laughs> because they were so uh, uh, so aggressive uh, politically. You know, my my views haven't changed at all. You know, it's I have watched the, the same community that was out in the streets for the WEF protests, and, you know, uh, protesting globalization and protesting, you know, the trade deals and and the the transferring of, you know, the, the offshoring of jobs and so on. And really the beginning of, uh, you know, when I talk about global capitalism, Clifton, I, I'm talking about uh, the power that I think we all live under today and it's not, you know, it's not the guy in the corner store, it's not the guy, you know, down the street who owns a little factory and runs it and what have you. You know, we're talking about supranational corporate governmental forces that are increasingly ruling our world, overriding the sovereignty of, you know, nation states and setting policy and, and, and making things uh, happen. I was opposing that way back when, whatever it is, 20 years ago, and I haven't changed at all. I've watched the the so-called left. I, you know, I, I don't I don't really recognize it as the left anymore. But I've watched the the so-called left sort of be co-opted into this don't know exactly what to call it. I, I don't like to see things in terms of, you know, American red blue politics so much anymore. And, you know, I've been in Germany for 17 years. Um, To me, it is, it is, it is more connected with, uh, with global capitalism writ large, you know, with, with what is happening all over the world, not just in the United States. And that includes you know it includes the 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 new normal that's being rolled out um, it also includes everything that happened during the trump years um, the, the 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 establishment's reaction to the election of this you know unauthorized president and and everything that was done there I've written a lot of s es- I wrote a lot of essays about that I've got a couple of books out about that um it's it's to me it is all part of watching this new globally hegemonic power structure that came into being when the Soviet Union fell apart. It's about watching this new power structure evolve. And what I'm seeing, what I saw during the Trump years, what I'm seeing now with a new normal, it's all part of that evolution. Unfortunately, what, what I've seen is most of what I thought of as the left has has been co-opted has been instrumentalized has been drawn into alliance with this global power structure um and uh and i don't recognize it anymore yeah
0: well it's it's interesting because even before I, i almost jumped in when you say um you you mentioned a lot of the arts community being um, you know sort of sloppy liberal yada 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 and you know one of my things lately I mean Glenn Greenwald um, uh, on on Twitter uh, constantly talks about about liberals or or, or Jimmy Dore um, another progressive uh, journalist um, or commentator I, sh- I suppose I should say more accurately you know he talks about the shit libs all the time and I keep saying you know please stop calling these people liberal I don't know what they are. Um, but they, they certainly don't seem liberal to me. And I, you know, I, I, in terms of saying things as red, blue, I mean, I'm, I'm in the same place. And I say often, you know, I'm a pot-smoking pro-choice atheist who loves you know show tunes and Judy Garland. I don't really have a comfortable home on the right. I just simply don't, I, I, I'm just not aligned with whatever this is that we're talking about and, and, and talking around, you know, it's, it's interesting that you talk about a, um, about about global capitalism because one of the things that came to mind for me um is this term that uh, you know you're not supposed to use at least on the left from what I've or we will we'll colloquially call it the left I guess because I'm I, I'm the same as you you know I, I don't quite know I, I don't recognize who these people are and all I can think of to say is well it's it's we kind of all see the same thing where it's coming from so I guess we will just call it the left but there's this it's, idea.
1: Ter- it's terrible isn't it because you know you, you you can't even use the words anymore because nothing means <laughs> nothing means what it's supposed to mean well, sorry well, for interrupting no
0: you know what that's part of the insidiousness of it and and it's and i find it really difficult to to begin to explain these things but as someone who who works with language i'm a big fan of language from from shakespeare to hip hop i mean you you see how powerful language is and you 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 know what effect that it can have And, um, you know, but these people, they I mean, just just the way they co-opt language and the way that they use it, the way they manipulate it. And and it's difficult to begin discussing these things because people begin to call you some kind of, quote unquote, conspiracy theorist. And as you said before, you know, we're not conspiracy theorists. I mean, and and even that term, I don't even know what that term means anymore, because it, it used to be at least from my understanding, that a conspiracy theorist was someone who had these sort of outside fringe beliefs that were sort of extreme and, you know, all kinds of Uh, things were happening uh, on uh, on a subterranean level, and so on and so forth. But now, increasingly, it seems that that term is being used as a slur for anybody who challenges government dictates, it's very, very strange, and or, or even larger special interests. And in terms of large special interests, um, you know, people throw around this idea of globalism, but at least on the left, they say, well, it's just a, a, that is a dog whistle for anti-Semitism. And, for me, it seems like another dodge. It's one of those terms to just shut down conversation. What did you say? A thought terminating cliche is, is what you, you, you said before uh, previously, um, because I've never heard anyone when talking about globalism um, and maybe global capitalism, as you describe it, can be lumped into that or is a part of that or or, you know, is maybe a, a better definition of that, but It has nothing to do with with, uh, you know, any sort of Jewish conspiracies. We're simply talking about these interests and people working in their own interests and this machine, which I think you've also referred to it as a machine that 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 is that is operating. Um, And it's weird because, again, it's it's hard to to begin discussing these things because I don't want it. It's it's uncomfortable because I know people are going to be like, well, you know, conspiracy theorists, this conspiracy theorists, that. But I've but I don't, I don't know how else to, um, I mean, I guess on one hand, you don't have to ascribe it to any big conspiracy. It's just an idea of people acting in their own self-interests who are in positions of power and, and the, you know, the, the charitable, uh, explanation might be, they really think they're doing some good. I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be nefarious, but I mean, I don't know if you can really, <laughs> if you can really say that, um, but uh, you know i i guess it, it brings me to um the the elephant in the room which is um the the pandemic and originally i started this podcast um to talk to, to people like you who are artists and, and arts because we always talk about culture war this and culture war that but then we we don't really talk to we don't have as you said before our, our artist community unfortunately is not that politically astute um so it can be difficult to have um, broad-reaching conversations, but it, it seemed increasingly to me that um, there's just so much happening right now that um, to continue to avoid this topic would would seem to be um, a little strange. So we're going to move into uh, talking about COVID, which you called a, an attack on society, and and I and I agree with you, and um, I I, I, I
1: before we do, Clifton, can I just jump in and, and, and say something? Because I never really answered that part of your uh, question.
0: Oh, gosh, please. That. Yes.
1: Yeah, you know, we're talking we're talking about the arts community. I mean, you know, part of the reason that I wanted to come on and talk to you is because you're an artist, you know, and coming from the arts community. Mostly I've been talking to, you know, uh straight up political people. Um and it just uh I just wanted to say it just it breaks my heart is what it does, you know. I uh I basically I I can't think of uh, maybe I've got one or two of my old New York friends and colleagues from the theater world um, that will even acknowledge my existence anymore. Um, I just, you know, became a complete pariah, you know, when I started speaking out uh, against the new normal and so on. Um, There's just one of my, you know, oldest uh, uh, colleagues in uh, London, producer and director in London. Um, You know, I I just, I opened Facebook, you know, and and there was a post you know, from him, um, where he had been on the tube, and he, you know, literally counted people who weren't wearing masks, and and this and this caused him to go onto Facebook, and you know, and say, I counted, you know, I was in on the tube, and in my car, you know, there were, you know, eleven people not wearing masks, and you know, it says, and assholes, you know, yeah. he says and uh i can 't take it anymore you know i and 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 I wrote him back you know and i said you know do you do you see what you 're doing you 've been turned into this little fascist that, that that rides on the tube and you're you're you 're counting people who are not conforming to your official narrative, and then you rush onto Facebook to foment hatred you know of of these people um, and it 's just to see this coming from You know, my friends and colleagues or former friends and colleagues in the arts. It's, uh, it's heartbreaking, you know, and it's infuriating. And, and I I just wanted to say that, you know, it's, it's uh, there, you know, people that I used to work with in New York City and they're running segregated theaters you know, and I understand, I understand the pressure, you know, you're trying to keep a theater alive. Lord knows I came from that world. I understand how it works. It's tough enough under normal circumstances, you know, to, to keep your theater going and to pay the bills and to pay your artists and, and so on. So I understand the pressure that people are under, but, you know, in a situation like this that we're in, you know, the stakes are, higher than your financial you know uh, uh equation you know, you know it, at all all i asked from the very beginning of this i think i even said at one point okay you've got to run your theater so you've got to follow the rules so that you can do your business you know so at least do it under protest say something speak out one word of protest one one little sign of pushback you know anything at all and it's not there it's just like everybody's clicked their heels and is goose stepping along with it sorry i just had to get that no. off my chest
0: no, no 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 and and i and i will i will take i will take that energy and i will run with it because one of my big disappointments has been the the I guess the, the ineffectualness of people. And and again, you know, the, my, I'm sympathetic in terms of them saying, you know, we feel like we are saving lives and everyone's going to die. Of course, we're nearly two years into this. At a certain point, um, it, it remains, it, it becomes inexcusable to be so ignorant about what's going on. However, um, that said, you know, I, I eventually ended up leaving uh, the city formerly known as New York uh, last June and i did so on gut instinct primarily once i saw andrew Cuomo um turning into a, a little tyrant before my eyes and of course but by calling it out i was you know accused of fomenting right wing conspiracies by these quote unquote leftists um but you know i then i went to then i I'm, i went to atlanta uh, which is where i am now and saw how much more closer to normal everything was, and at, at the same time, I'm seeing these stories about business owners, restaurateurs, gym owners, salon owners, barbers, or whatever who were, who were going against what their government was trying to get them to do in order to keep on, uh, to keep on, you know, so they wouldn't have to lay off their their employees, so that they they, they could keep earning for their families. And I'm like, these people are fighting tooth and nail. I mean, there's that one guy, uh, Ian Smith, I think his name is, who um, who owned a uh, a gym in New Jersey, who mm. uh, you know, there's literally footage of them breaking down the uh, the the doors that the police had erected to keep them out of their own gym. They've incurred heavy fines from the government. I mean, they, these guys sort of put themselves on the mat for just keeping a gym open during a pandemic. You know, and of course we know the transmission rates in gyms are very very low, but but the, the point is i would see people like this who are standing up and then i'm i'm you know then i'm taking these jobs now in in atlanta since I, I can't work as an actor anymore obviously and i'm seeing people who are on their feet 10 12 14 hours a day their eyes are bloodshot their their knees are aching their backs are are killing them and yet they're still providing service to people who you know who you could, I mean, they're, they're trying to improve their lives in some way and live their lives and, and generate money and just and try to get by somehow. But then these pampered, pretentious, quote unquote, progressive actors sitting up in New York, you know, these theater professionals and the circles I swim in, you know, a lot of b- bunch of Broadway people, TV stars, people who who have done well for themselves, um, sneering at these, quote unquote, working class people that they claim to champion the entire time Um completely allowing themselves to be rendered non-essential while liquor stores get to stay open in New York City. You, you, are, you are in New York City. You are an artist in New York City. You work on Broadway. You're going to let Bill de Blasio, this feckless, moronic mayor, tell you that you're not essential. You're going to let Andrew Cuomo, this ridiculous scumbag of a governor, tell you that, uh, that you're non-essential. This is Broadway. This is New York City. This is the theater. What, are you, what the fuck are you doing? And uh, while at the same time, these other people that you're sneering at are fighting tooth and nail to keep their business alive. And I'm thinking to myself, so now, you know, you you mentioned the heartbreak. Yeah, it is heartbreaking, but it also makes me angry. It makes me think to myself, why would I even want to work with these people anymore? Because they've 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 just stepped aside. Not only it's not just their ignorance and their inability to to recognize precedent and to see um and to see what's unfolding before them, in front of their eyes. Which is, I mean, it's it's doing so much damage to the theater and the audience enjoyment and experience. And it just makes working just a chore. And they they want more of it. Uh, they they don't see any of that. But it's just they also. They don't seem to want to protect the like the culture enough. They don't want to protect the industry enough to protect the craft enough. They just said, oh, we're going to we're going to set aside and beg for the government to give us some money. And then we're going to bitch at anybody else who wants to uh, uh, actually work for a living. Um, So I've been completely disgusted. And and I'm thinking, them. and on top of that, people who say I don't even want to perform for an unvaccinated audience member. Who are you? People have been beaten down for the past two years, they, they need to see theater, they need to see shows, they need to see art to get some kind of nourishment for their spirits and their souls. And you're gonna ban people from the theater you know, based on this shot that, uh, sorry, it's just not the silver bullet that, that, that uh, they've been telling you it is and you keep ignoring this fact. I mean, I, I don't know what to say to these people anymore and I don't know how I'm gonna be able to trust them again. So there's my rant, I'm, that, that's what I'm gonna get off of my chest and you know, it's just, it's so frustrating to watch and and people agree with me and they don't say anything they're not saying anything which is why bringing it back to you I love how confrontational it that you've been and and uh, I think you said recently in an interview that you you know it's you know you I mean you'll go out uh, you're you're based in Berlin for those who don't know and and Germany right now um you know in terms of the, the creeping totalitarianism that that we're talking around um, and these little petty tyrants that we've that we experience in our own industry who kind of just let who who somehow have have allowed themselves to just let these tyrants roam um roam free but so you're you are you are in berlin i mean and you're like going to the grocery store with uh, with protest masks on and and you know you're 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 being very very combative in terms of saying this is a, a, a what you call a pathologized totalitarianism which i'd love to, for you to get into um yeah. But, uh, but few, but nobody, so, so few other people, other artists especially seem to have the balls that you do. And it's, it's very, it's just really hard for me to watch.
1: It might uh, bless you. I I think, I think I'm, I'm, I'm finally on an interview with someone who's even angrier than I. (laughs) I love it. it. Listen, the totalitarianism isn't really creeping so much in Germany or anymore. Um, You know, just so that people are clear, maybe, you know, people that watch your show in the States, uh, you know, uh, I'm not vaccinated, so I'm one of the unvaccinated here in uh, Berlin. And, uh, you know, right now we are basically banned from society, we've been segregated for a while, and right now we're just totally banned from society Um, can't go to a restaurant can't go to a cafe a bar. Uh, can't go to any stores other than a grocery store. We're still allowed to buy food, you know, so that's nice of them. We are banned from uh, travel. We're banned from public transportation. I can't take, a, you know, the train or the bus to get anywhere. Um, you know, that's how severe it is here. Uh, they're uh, probably almost certainly going to roll out mandatory vaccinations uh, early next year. Austria has already announced it. Um, Greece and Italy are doing it in stages in, if you live in Greece now and you're over 60, uh, if you don't get vaccinated, the government will fine you will basically, you know, uh, uh, whatever it's called, they'll take money out of your pension, you know, hundred euro a month, you know, and if you can imagine, you know, an old Greek person living on a, on a pension, you know, the pressure that they're under. So the totalitarianism isn't, uh, really creeping, uh, so much anymore. And, uh, the yeah, thing I ask. think that you want me to get into about that, you know, Clifton, I stopped sometime last year. I don't remember when it was, but I stopped talking about the virus and I'm really not interested, you know, in, in arguing with people about the virus anymore. And I'm not interested in arguing about the, you know, vaccines anymore, vaccinations and, and what have you. Um, I don't care. You know, uh, I had those arguments. I tried, you know, to show people facts and it became very clear that, you know, the the, the folks in the, you know, the Covidian cult weren't interested in the facts and what have you. And I, And I stopped. What I've been trying to do for a while now is to shine a light on what's happening, shine a different light on what's happening. Um, And it's a political light. It's putting things in a political context. Um, You know, you said it, we're two years into this thing. It's ridiculous. It's Orwellian at this point, you know, the idea, the idea that we're two years into the spread of a virus, you know, and we're, and, and the powers that be are implementing, you know, this biosecurity police state society. And it's happening here in Europe faster than it's happening in the U.S., you know, but it's happening in New York and L.A. and what have you. But they're rolling it right out in Europe. You know, what I said at some point last year was, I don't care if you believe the official narrative, the official narrative, just like they put it out in the corporate media, just like the experts, you know, the the health experts say it. If you take this official narrative at face value, which i don't but if you do even if you do it doesn't remotely justify the authoritarian the authoritarian measures that are being rolled out all across the world and that are being rolled out for the long term that are you know if you look at the infrastructure that's being rolled out this is not stuff that they're looking to cancel in a couple of months right so what i have been trying to do Is shine a light on what's happening in a political context, right? Because the 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 powers that be want to suck us all into a pseudo-medical narrative, right? They want to talk about viruses and vaccines and, and and so on. And basically it's it's that narrative is is hiding what is actually happening. And what is actually happening is the rollout of all of these totalitarian uh, uh, measures and, and systems. And so what I've been urging people to do and trying to do myself is, you know, stop talking about the virus. You know, talk about the totalitarianism. You know, talk about there are, there are literally camps in Australia right you know they're they're putting people in camps they gathered up you know the aboriginal people and stuck them in camps um uh the in germany the mood in germany the the, you know prominent television commentators are literally quoting nazi ss doctors you know to foment hatred of the unvaccinated there was a what what oh oh yeah there's a there's as an author we're talking about the arts community again you know, yeah. a fairly well-known author who is also a television commentator. Um, uh, uh, she went on TV. It was, yeah, she went on our TV show, I think, but definitely tweeted it. Um, uh, the other day she was saying, you know, oh yes, all of this conflict between the, you know, the conspiracy theorists and the COVID deniers and and the rest of us good, you know, people, it's tearing society apart. Yes, it is. And it's terrible, but, you know, let's look at it this way. If it tears society apart, the people who are going to be left out, pushed out of society, they're all these nasty people down and on the right, because we, you know, we get constantly demonized as, you know, as being right wing, which I'm not, Um, you know, all these people are down and on the right, and they're like an appendix, right? They're like an appendix, and an appendix is not necessary. It's not essential to life. And, you know, God bless a German journalist, did a little bit of research and pulled up, you know, a a relatively well-known speech from a, you know, Nazi SS doctor, basically, you know, not basically, but literally saying, you know, the Jews are like an appendix on the body of society, and they need to be cut out. This is just one, it's just one example, Uh, Clifton, there's a guy... You know, in some town in Germany, who actually painted on the windows of his store, you know, uh, you know, ungeimpfte, unerwünscht, you know, which is, you know, means unvaccinated, unwelcome. And this is literally, you know, literally there were signs during Nazi Germany, you know, during the third in the 30s, during the run up to Nazi Germany while it was developing, there were signs that went up all over Germany, which was, you know, Juden unerwünscht you know it's we're we're seeing it's not it's not like totalitarianism or like fascism it is a nascent developing form of totalitarianism it's completely different from 20th century forms of totalitarianism not completely there are a lot of similarities um, but there are also major major differences but nonetheless this is a developing form of totalitarianism that is being implemented all around it, the world
0: and it, and it's interesting because um, at least here, here in the states i mean you you're in Berlin you said you've been there for what fourteen years i think um, seventeen, 17 um, even better it, it when people make references or at least allusions to um, to the holocaust um, i think I think people um, they reflexively bristle at that. And I think there's valid reasons for that. But but
1: can I jump in on that for a second? Well, I was going to say, well,
0: it just seems like that the, the people make comparisons to, to comparisons to that period, and and it's sort of a taboo or, or it's gauche. But as someone who was in Germany, watching these things and experiencing them, um, are are those illusions? Acknowledging what you just said, that it's completely a different, it's totalitarianism, but a different kind of totalitarianism. Are we way off base? As speaking as as an American in Germany, um, are we far off base from making those kinds of connections? Given what we're seeing both Germany. And Austrian governments uh, imposing.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. The the important point that I want to make, um, and I, I made it on an interview yesterday. I'm going to make it again on your on your show because it's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, if you notice, and I'm and I'm I'm not criticizing you at all. I'm just using it to point out. You know, you said we're comparing it to the Holocaust. And I'm not comparing it to the Holocaust. Right. 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 Yes. The 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 we as Americans, especially, have all basically been brainwashed to think of the entire history of Nazism in Germany, of the of the whole Nazi era as the Holocaust.
0: The Holocaust, right. Right. But what but what and, led up to it is the question.
1: And, and it isn't. The history, the history of of Nazism in Germany. It's the history of the birth and the development of a totalitarian movement, right, that grew and spread and took power and committed the Holocaust, right, which is horrible, not minimizing it at all. That was, you know, a major part of that history, but the history does not reduce to the Holocaust It's the history of a political movement that took over society and imposed a totalitarian system on a society and started a bunch of wars. You know, when I make the comparisons, what I'm comparing is one nascent totalitarianism to another totalitarian system. The fact that that other totalitarian system perpetrated the Holocaust, you know, does not render these analogies moot. Right, they are perfectly valid analogies, and Germans are making them as well. It's not just me as the American, you know. The if you look at German Twitter, it is flooded currently with Germans, you know, making these comparisons, making these references, and pushing it in people's faces, which is absolutely what we need to do. I'm, I'm sorry, I jumped in, but it, you had a question, and I don't think I answered it.
0: No, 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 no. It was great because uh, you know. I mean, I, I don't want to be imprecise. Uh, you know, as we're, we're men of the theater, we need specificity. Um, you know, we, we need to be precise in our language. But um, well, I, I, think I think what 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 happens is that um, when you when you make references to Nazism, people immediately jump to Holocaust, and it's like, no. What, what we're trying to get at is the sort of the underpinning ideology that that leads to these sorts of movements. I've been reading a lot about. Uh, about how these systems develop and and how people get sort of seduced by these things. And that's what that is the the really chilling thing about so much of what is happening, um, you know, whether it be progressives in New York, who've just for one example, um, they would they would say, policies such as stop and frisk disproportionately impact blacks and Latinos, and yet they turn around and they fully embrace these vaccine passports, which disproportionately impact blacks and Latinos, they don't really care about that. Similarly, the Germans I've met here um, I, you know, I ask them, you know, well, how do you, how do you broach the subject of what happened, you know, at that time? And they, they say, well, we just don't talk about it. And, uh, or they, they try to sweep it under the rug. And I'm thinking to myself, if you're in a culture that is hypersensitive about racism and slavery, like Americans, you know, is is there some sort of analogy in Germany where they're very sensitive about that? And yet, if that does exist there, that sensitivity to that period, and that where it's such a third rail that you know no one wants to address it, how can they still allow themselves to be uh, seduced yet again into uh, what's going on? I mean, my my suspicion is that you know you have to be scared shitless uh, to an irrational degree. Um, but um, I mean, how are people waking up there? Do you sense that uh, the that things are changing, or is it getting worse?
1: Mm, no, there's, there's a small committed, you know, dedicated uh, minority of German society that has been opposing all of this from the very beginning. Right. So it's, it's not monolithic there, there's a, a strong minority of Germans who have been, you know, they, they organized the huge protests uh, in 2020 and August 2020. Um, uh, and uh, th- this is before protests were banned. You know, I, I don't know if I mentioned that we were also, it, you know, protests against the new normal against COVID measures are outlawed. Right. So you can protest against anything else you want, but you know, you can't protest against uh, the new normal. But prior to that, prior to that, there were huge protests. So there's a, 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 a s- small but significant minority of Germans that are pushing back. Unfortunately, the vast majority of German society has clicked heels and they are marching in lockstep and the The irony clicked and the thing that really breaks my heart part of the reason that I moved here and chose to live in berlin is because you know after the second world war from 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 immediately you know in the post war period. Germans uh, were just conditioned if, you know, from the day that they entered school and in all of the media and the art and everything else, they have, you know, they have been conditioned to be hyper aware of anything that smacks of fascism and to never, ever let it happen again right? And that was the Germany that I moved into. That was the Berlin that I moved into, where, you know, people were uh, just, uh, you know, hyper anti-fascist because of the history and because they, they had looked at the history and, and, and so on. And so to watch, to watch German society behave this way now is just, I mean, it was stunning to me in the beginning, and, and, and it's absolutely heartbreaking. I think, you know, you brought up my, my, my piece about pathologized totalitarianism. And again, it's one of the major differences. You know, this totalitarianism, new normal totalitarianism you know, is what I call it usually. It's not racial, right? It's not nationalistic. It's not uh, uh, overtly ideological, it's not all of those things that we've all been conditioned to recognize as fascism as totalitarianism it is it is presenting us you know not with a with a racial or nationalistic official narrative it's presenting us with a pseudo medical official narrative right so that you know i'll bring it back to the states people who you know and I know, who would normally just be, you know, adamantly opposed to segregation, right, to social segregation, right, segregation based on, you know, race or religion or whatever, right, but suddenly, because it's a pseudo-medical narrative, segregation is fine, right, It's absolutely fun. This, this, this pseudo medical narrative that we've been presented with this, you know, apocalyptic virus, you know, story that's going to, you know, kill us all still after two years, right? And this, this narrative has become the excuse and the cover for people to support all of this stuff. You know, what I'm seeing in Germany, unfortunately, is, is, and this is a gross generalization and, you know, and and, and again, it does not apply to every uh, German at all, but there is a culture of trusting authority and following orders. And I'm watching it, you know, on a daily basis, you know, because nobody's flying, you know, flags with swastikas and nobody is, you know, persecuting the Jews this time, you know, that people are clicking heels and following orders and they're not asking questions and they're not looking at facts and 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 they're not thinking critically that's
0: you know it's so bizarre because um you know i love what you said about you know I, i'm not interested in talking about the virus anymore or talking mm-hmm. about um, you know the the these therapeutics, which, which we will charitably refer to as vaccines. That, that's, that's what I say.
1: Um, I, put it I put it in quotes all the time. It drives people crazy.
0: Yes. I've, I've noticed that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, I mentioned on Twitter uh, recently that there's a, there's a weird, and I'm, I'm not going to go down this, this whole rabbit hole, but there's a weird sort of um, religiosity about vaccines in general, you know, which it's just really impenetrable. And even, you know, the slightest bit of um, of inquiry um, gets all of this thrown at you, but you know but it, it it's true because the, in terms of like n- n- the virus and the and the vaccines almost being beside the point now because there there's something that is bigger that is at play here and and, and it's it's weird because um i've been thinking lately about the sort of failures of of the so-called left in order to to address all of this you would think if if anybody they would be primed <laughs> to be like hey you know there's a creeping police state to mass surveillance and and the erosion of rights and freedoms and and segregation as we've been talking about but they're but they're completely uh, completely on board with it and at a certain point um I, I, I don't I mean, I I've, i don't know what else to do, because pointing out their hypocrisies and, and internal contradictions doesn't work, um, showing them the graphs and the, the actual numbers doesn't work, and um, I, so I've, I've taken more to. Um, you know I mean, even sort of angry ranting, yeah, it can get you attention or whatever, you know, but that doesn't really work either. so I've taken more to just trying to point out the absurdities of a lot of this stuff. It's just absurd, and it, there has to be some sort of dark humor in it, and so you know, I know you don't have much much time left here, but I mean I, I love that that um, you know you, you 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 work in the realm of satire as well. Someone has
1: says, "I'm not as funny as I used to be." <laughs> this the the whole totalitarian thing is kind of killing my sense it's killing my comedy
0: well but there has to be there has to be something you know i it's it's been said that mockery is one of the the best ways to take down a totalitarian system and and um you know i i I would hope that 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 that's true but at the same time you know and and, i mean the, the good thing is that i'm slowly I'm getting in touch with with other artists and other people who are who are noticing and, and, and want to do something. I mean, one of the again, one of the big disappointments is that there are people who agree with you and I. But, um, you, you know, like I, I have one friend who said, you know, well, I have to feed my family. But I'm thinking to myself, well, what kind of world are you living? Are you leaving behind for your children if you keep going along with this sort with this sort of thing? Um, but, you know, I, I don't know what artists can do to challenge any of this. I mean, I think you, you mentioned that there were some actors who gathered, uh, some pretty well-known actors and, um, and did some sort of protest film or something like that.
1: Here, yeah, here in Germany, um, uh, yeah, what they did, it was actually really pretty mild. <clears throat> they, they recorded all of these uh, uh, short videos um, that were doing exactly what you just said. They were just sort of pointing out the absurdity, uh, you know, the, the absurdity of the whole narrative and the, the ridiculousness of the way people were behaving, right? And in so doing, you know, satirizing it and, and, and you know, uh, urging people to question it a little bit. And, <clears throat> excuse me, they were crucified absolutely crucified in the mainstream media i mean these people you know they were apostates and you know blasphemers and you know it was it was br- absolutely brutal um artists i mean the 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 first thing that i think artists need to do is just you know speak out at all one word of protest one one word of questioning um you, you know uh, so the vast majority of the arts community is, and again, I said it in the beginning, I understand people are afraid. You speak out, you're going to be called names. I've been called every name in the book, you know, and 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 demonized from the beginning of this. And it's going to happen, but the stakes are high enough. You speak out anyway, stand up and speak out. The second thing is, and this is, you know, what I've just been urging people to do and, and, and urging people who do want to oppose this, who do want to fight this, to think of this as a strategy. What I've been trying to do is not argue with people about the virus or the, you know, uh, quote unquote vaccine or anything, not argue about any of this stuff anymore. You know, I don't wanna argue about, you know, the fake case numbers and fake, you know, death numbers, and blah, blah, blah. What, I, what I've been trying to do is hold up a mirror. To people and say, look at how you're behaving. Look at how you're acting. If we go back to my uh, uh, you know, my producer friend in London, right? The reason that I responded to his Facebook post was not just because it pissed me off, right? But I he needed to hear from someone like me, right? Because his entire circle is like, yeah, yeah, they're all assholes, you know, oh yeah, the maskless people be assholes, you know, ah, ah, you know, and they just get together and foment this hatred right? He needed to hear from someone like me who said, you know, you are behaving like a fascist. You are, you are singling out, you know, deviants, people who refuse to believe what you believe, you know, and, and act according to your script. You're singling them out, and then you're fomenting hatred. You know, you're calling your social circle to come and say, ah, let's, let's all hate these people, Right? and you're behaving like a fascist, all right? And this is the mirror that I'm holding up and that I want to hold up. Um, I did it early on when New York first started rolling things out. I didn't use you know, Nazi references. I used um, you know, references from uh, the Jim Crow South. You know, I, I pulled up old pictures of, you know, of the racists in the South you know, with the, the segregation forever signs. I said, like, congratulations, New Yorkers. You know, you're, you're segregationists is, you know, the reason I'm doing this is not to piss people off. It does piss them off. But the reason that I'm doing it is someone needs to hold up the mirror that is outside of this pseudo medical narrative and say, this is the way we see you. We see what you're doing. We see segregation as segregation. We see demonization as demonization. We see you fomenting hatred. Of the new untermenschen, you know, and and to show them the mirror, where I where this comes from for me, it, this is fundamental nonviolent civil disobedience tactics, you know. It's basically, you know, I, I grew up in the segregated South. I was born in you know South Florida and grew up in the '60s. What I took from the civil rights movement in terms of tactics is, you force the confrontation you go ahead and sit down at the lunch counter, you go to school, you have the marches, and you force the fascists to behave like fascists, and you film it, and you film it, and you show it to the people who are staying silent and looking the other way, and you show them that film over and over again, because it won't get through the first time, but you show them over and over again. Oh, look, you know, oh, look, they just killed these little girls. You still want to stay silent, right? Oh, look, they just put these people in camps. They just, you show these people what they're supporting with their silence over and over again. Clifton, I have to believe that inside most of these people is still a decent human being. And I feel like they're getting all this pressure from one side, from the power system, you know, from the authorities, from the establishment, they're getting all these threats and all this pressure and they need to get some pressure from the other side. right? they need to get pressure from the other side. And that's us saying, look what we see, look how you're acting. You're acting just like these people, right? You're doing things just like it was done then. And I, my prayer is, you create enough you put these people put people in this vice. And eventually, a bunch of them are going to decide no I don't want to be a fascist. You know, I, I, I don't want to be that. I'm, I'm going to have to say something. Anyway, that's, that's my sermon.
0: Well I think that's a perfect place to end it. Uh, CJ, uh, people need to find you, they need to support you. They need to uh, to support what you're doing, get your work out there. How can people do all of those things?
1: I'm really really easy to find. I mean, my blog is the uh, consentfactory.org and I've got a, you know, a straight website cjhopkins.com, you know, for my theater stuff and what have you. But basically just stick me in a search engine and you'll find all my stuff. I've got a Substack now. Um, Put me in a search engine and you'll find all my stuff.